Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are another NBA season is upon us. UFC 280 live from Abu Dhabi. It's anyone's game in the MLB playoffs. Who will come out on top and advance to the World Series? Pure madness this past week in college football. Recapping last week's college football games and previewing week eight's biggest games. With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on Tuesday night in the studio, live in Matt's basement. We got the Guardians New York game on the monitor here. We're trying to keep track of. We're down to ninth inning and two outs to go, so it's not looking good for Cleveland fans right now. But like Colton said, we're going to start with some NBA talk. Two games uh, tonight, actually, opening night. You got uh, Philadelphia 76ers going up against Boston, two you know, playoff teams from last year. Uh, Boston took the Warriors to game six in the finals. Um, I, I don't know. I got some notes here, but I'll let you guys get us started. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, the, uh, Vegas has uh, the Celtics favored by just a measly two points in this one. So, you know, you can almost make it make it a wash. They're, you know, obviously playing. The Celtics are playing at home tonight. So, I mean, you can almost consider that you know, somewhat dead even Vegas just given a couple of points there because the Celtics are playing at home. But, uh, you know, coming off of, of last year, you know, like dad says, he, these two teams, you know, finished the season probably complete opposite of, you know, what they what they expected or, you know, coming into the playoffs, what they expected. I mean, the Celtics made an impressive run, you know, the second half of the NBA season last year and uh, it continued into the playoffs and made that that, you know, illustrious run to the to the NBA finals before ultimately losing to the, to the NBA champs in, in, in Golden State. Um, or on the, the flip side, the 76ers had, you know, high hopes coming into the season, um, a little bit of drama throughout the season, but, you know, made their way into the playoffs and, uh, you know, were able to get out of the first round, but then, uh, you know, just weren't able to get out of the out of the second round and, you know, eventually got beat to, to the Miami Heat. Um, you know, Joel Embiid got injured in that series again. So, you know, just, a, you know, another – continuing trend or something that you know continues to haunt the 76ers every time they get to the get to the playoffs but you know new season you know starting completely fresh both teams oh and oh and we'll see we'll see what happens but uh you know the, the celtics are coming into this one they're they're going to be starting the, this entire season with a with a new slash interim coach there yeah has anybody ever started the season with an interim coach before i tried to find some stats yeah i mean yeah pretty unusual situation right Um, i'm sure probably at least for like maybe a a small period of time but for you know an entire season yeah yeah, about starting that you know game one you're coming in with an interim coach right so uh you know joe joe mazula is the you Uh know assistant coach for for the for the celtics it's going to get the nod or going to be the head coach for for this year, while uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm Yudoka is, is suspended for the entire season for the for the Celtics. So actually, it's it's kind of interesting. Not only is he you know getting his start and you're going to be the head coach, but actually the youngest NBA coach at only 34 years old as mm. well. Um, you know, good for him. starting for the Celtics. So it could be you know good things for him if he you know does a nice job. It could turn into you know a full time gig. Maybe not with obviously not with the Celtics, but you know with a, a different franchise going forward. Mm-hmm. But you know, going to be interesting to see how the Celtics kind of manage that. Obviously, like I said, coming off a very impressive run last year, you know, can they can they follow that up with without their without their their leader or their their head coach? Um, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, it's yeah, going to be interesting for the for the Sixers, but or for the Celtics. But on the flip side, there you got you got the Sixers coming into the season. Like I said, had a little bit of drama last year with uh, you know the Ben Simmons you know play not want to play you know type deal. Eventually, they traded him for, you know, former MVP James Harden, um, and that was kind of a mixed bag. They got, you know, decent play out of, out of Harden, but, you know, hoping for bigger things this year. You know, the, the rumors or, you know, a lot of the talk out of out of the James Harden camp is he's coming into this season in, in the best shape he's been in in several, several seasons. So we'll see if that pans out for, for the 76ers, but uh you know, ultimately, I, I think the I think the Sixers get it done, get it done in this in yeah. this game. Uh, I think Celtics, uh, you know, being only a two point favorite, I think it's kind of a, a you know a toss up, and I think it's going to take a little bit of time uh, for the uh, Celtics kind of adjust not having their their head coach right. there. I think you know a lot of emotion um, in in this one. I, I think the 76ers find a way to find a way to win. They'll all you know are all healthy to start the season, so I think uh, yeah, 
76ers, you know, take one on the road and, and take knock off the uh, East, you know, the defending Eastern Conference champions. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, last year the Celtics to start the season off were kind of a mixed bag. They weren't playing all that well. Right. And, you know, with, with the coaching and the team finally starting to come together, uh, the, the combo guard play was really starting to figure out how to play together and make this all work. So having a new coach in here, I think, really, really hurts the Celtics. I mean, I, I know it's a guy who's been on the staff, but there's always going to be things that are different. Right. So I found it kind of surprising. Neither of these teams really did much to improve in the offseason. They didn't really add pieces or do anything. And to me, if you're not improving, you're getting worse. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they both kind of are falling down a notch here in the offseason. But it, for, as far as this game goes, I, I think the 76ers have that slight edge just with, with the Celtics having the new coach and, and having to figure things out again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, you know, you, you, I, I don't disagree with that with the coaching. I mean, you are going up against Doc Rivers, right? You know, veteran a, guy. Yeah, one hundred four hundred a thousand forty three wins as opposed to seven hundred and thirty five losses. You know, started his head coaching career in Orlando, which I didn't realize. I happened to come across this today. He tried to put a big three together down in Orlando when he had T Mac and uh, Grant Hill down there. He tried to get Tim Duncan from the Spurs mm, mm. back back in the day um and they said the reason that tim duncan would wouldn't sign is because of doc rivers's rule that no family members fly on the team plane okay so uh right. you know uh, doc wasn't willing to compromise on that rule and right. and so a game of a game of what if you know yeah so, <clears throat> you know tim resigns with the spurs and we know what happened there right yeah but um yeah, you know, Boston's got Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown coming back. And they got the old man, you know, Al Horford still doing his thing. Uh, Average 7.7 .7 rebounds, which is good enough for 36 or 32nd in the league, mm -hmm. at, you know, at this year, you know, last year at 35 years old. So, you know, still a contributor. I don't know. I Even though they got the coaching, I, I just like – I like that 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 big three in Boston. I'm, I'm going to – flip on you guys and i'm not, i'm gonna take the celtics to win this this opener tonight yeah i think uh you know another thing to to note in this one is uh you know the 76ers did did add in the offseason uh pj tucker and mm -hmm. you know you probably don't know him or don't recognize him for his offensive prowess but he's a guy that's a glue guy yeah he comes in there and just gives you defense he's he'll guard anybody one through five it doesn't matter if he's in the league a, long a time foot taller player, and 150 yeah. pounds light he'll go in there and he's just a scrappy guy that, that gives yeah. you quality minutes so i think that that will be a, a good a difference maker for this 76ers team that maybe kind of lacked that that grit or that that hard nose kind of defense um that you know we're, we're accustomed to seeing so that that'll be that'll be interesting and i, I think also at the same time Embiid is is probably going to dominate this this matchup uh, the celtics are a little banged up at at the, the center position horford Typically, more of a power forward is going to have to play center or, you know, start at the center position tonight. Oh, um, his hands full. Yeah, uh, Robert Williams, their typical, you know, kind of anchor and big man is, is going to be out for, for a little bit to start the season. So, I think, uh, you know, Embiid going to have a little bit of a of a heyday there, but uh, we'll see if he can get some some contributors from, from other guys outside of just Embiid. So. All right. Second game tonight, uh, got the – teams out west you got the lakers going to go, going up against last year's champs the warriors you know uh can the lakers turn it around this year the new coach and uh darvin ham is he the answer to you know put these these pieces together that uh you know that are the lakers right now um you know they finished 33 and 49 last year obviously not where they wanted to be mm -hmm. um westbrook they still don't know what to do with him i i had heard you know within you know a few weeks ago that they were going to try him running that second team you know that that first group coming off the bench but now with the injury that they've suffered he may be back in the with the starters um you know i don't know it, it, it's a i don't know how you put this team together i that's not a job i would want <laughs> you know from the outside looking in you got these you know these stars on this team you would think it would be easy but i think it's proven to be way tougher than than what anybody thought, you know, and you're going against up against Steve Kerr that, you know, has obviously found a way to put superstars together and mm -hmm. get them to work together and win multiple championships and, and keep them together and keep them together. You know, you got, but you know, I, you got to start looking at the age of the Warriors. Mm -hmm. You got Steph at 34, Draymond at 32, Clay at 32. Um, you know, they did add some youth in Jordan Poole, you know, had 18 and a half points and four assists last year. 
but you know, they're big three, uh, if, if you want to call them that, or, you know, getting up there. So be interesting to see how much longer they can, they can keep this run going. I mean, I, I, at this point, I've never been a Warriors fan, but I, I mean, you got to call them a dynasty at this point mm-hmm. with the, with the thing that's, that they put together. Um, we'll see how the drama plays out with, uh, Dre and Poole having their uh, fisticuffs there that everybody saw on, on uh, TMZ. But, uh, you know, I, I think they put that aside. They know they're there to win championships. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, the talk all, all offseason was what was the Lakers going to do to get better? And they really kind of held Pat. I know their cap kind of, you know, restricted Limited them a lot. And, you know, they don't have a lot of assets to trade or move. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they really couldn't do much in the offseason to get any better. So that, got to be kind of disheartening for a guy like lebron james who throws it all out there but right you know we'll, we'll see if they can make this thing work in, in year two you know maybe maybe a whole off season of practice these guys getting together mm-hmm. maybe they can figure something out right you know i look for the lakers don't they got to improve a little bit on what last year's it, mm-hmm. and especially if anthony davis is healthy all season long that right. that alone that's a big question, sh- should improve right so you know I, I do look for the lakers to be better but the, the warriors are just they were heads and tails better than the lakers last year mm-hmm. and you know, they didn't really lose any pieces in the offseason either. They're still a really strong team coming in this year. Uh, you know, other than the little spat you're, that Rob just mentioned there with the, with the Draymond and Poole, they're getting in a fight. But, you know, that, that's all about money and ego. And <laughs> I, I don't I don't think in the long run it's really going to affect this team. I, I think they're still going to come out and play the game like they need to. I, I think the Warriors are going to take this one. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Golden State comes into the game favored by uh, seven seven points, um, so a little bit more favorable than than the last matchup. But uh, you know, you know, like we mentioned, these these two teams finished you know miles apart um, last last season. Obviously, the uh, Warriors took took the NBA crown home, took the championship home, and uh, you know, Lakers missed the playoffs, were well below five hundred, fired their coach, got you know starting fresh at the at the coaching position, you know, got rid of a lot of their their you know. I guess role players or a lot of their, you know, supporting players, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony's gone, Avery Bradley's gone, Dwight Howard is gone. And, you know, and I'm not saying that those guys were, you know, big contributors or that they, you know, will be all that miss, but uh, you know, I, I think that they somewhat blew it up a little bit in the, in the off season. They did add, you know, a couple of, of scrappy guards and, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly and, and Dennis Schroeder um, mm-hmm. to, to the mix, which, you know, Patrick Beverly, another guy that, you know, you don't, talk about the offense ever, you know, you know, filling up the stat sheet in the offensive categories, but he's a guy that comes in there and just plays hard nosed defense on your best player. And if you, if you, he gets in your head, man, he, you're, you're done, you're you're sunk. Um, But he's, he's a scrappy guy, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the key obviously here, you know, the very, the key for the Lakers going forward is how does that big three mesh mesh together? How do they get LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook to all, you know, coexist and, and, and work as one, you know, cohesive unit. And at the same time, I think it's just keeping them on the floor. Um, I think if, if I remember correctly, they only played together a total of like 11 games last year. Um, so keeping them all healthy, keeping them all on the court, I think is going to help build that, that cohesiveness, but that that's been a, 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 a tough task, you know, to keep them healthy and keep them on the floor. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that, how that goes, you know, going forward. But, you know, I think with the Warriors, with the Warriors kind of spat there in, in Draymond and, and, and Jordan Poole, you know, I, I have this weird feeling in the back of my mind or, you know, in the back of my head that it's, you know, the, the, the good teams or the great teams are, you know, these dynasties, they always try to find ways to keep themselves, mm-hmm. you know, motivated or, you know, find ways to keep themselves going because after you've, you know, won the NBA title and, or, you know, won it back to back or, you know, been to the finals as many times as this Warriors team is, you got to keep trying to find that motivation right. to keep you, keep you engaged and keep you going. So Draymond always has a funny way of, of motivating guys and, 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 you know, keeping guys engaged and whatnot. I almost feel like this is, this was some, I'm not saying it was planned or staged, but mm-hmm. it's almost like something to keep that team hungry, keep them, keep them going because, you know, now a lot of teams are even a lot of people are saying, Oh man, the Warriors, they got this, they're imploding or, you know, they're going to crumble from the inside instead of, you know, not just not living up to the hype or whatever. But I, I feel like this is going to maybe work in the opposite direction and somewhat, you know, bring them together and just keep that team hungry. Um, I like, I like the Warriors to get it, get it done, uh, you know, on their own home court, going to be an emotional night, hanging mm-hmm. up another banner, getting those NBA rings. Um, you know, I, th- I think the Lakers will keep it maybe closer than those, those seven points just because, they will be a little bit motivated to see, oh man, the Warriors, 
man, they're getting their other another ring. They're getting right. another banner. You know, this is what we want to accomplish, or this is what we want to be a part of. I think the Lakers will be a little bit motivated, but I think ultimately the Warriors Warriors come out on top in this one. <clears throat> yeah, I got to agree with you guys. I think Golden State gets this game going forward. Uh, we're going to mix up the order here just a little bit. The game just finished up. The Guardians uh, – uh, got put out. Uh, Yankees beat them five to one in this, you know, final game of their five game set in New York. A game that was delayed a day because of weather yesterday. Um, you know, New York took a chance, mixed up their pitching order just a little bit, um, and it, it paid off for them. Uh, you know, it was a great series to watch, though. I can't complain about, you know, being a Guardians fan. I can't complain about the way we played. You know, with that young team, um, the pitching staff was. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just just incredible. Um, you know, we didn't get some timely hits, I thought, is what was kind of turned the tide in this series. We out hit them, you know, almost two to one, but not being able to get hits with guys in scoring position uh, was, you know, ultimately the, the Guardian's downfall. Um, but uh, I guess going forward, you know, the Yankees, they can't spend too much time celebrating. They, uh, they got to hop on a plane and go play the you know, hundred game win winning Houston Astros tomorrow in Houston. So, right. uh, what do you guys think? I mean, it's it's been a crazy postseason. Um, we'll talk about the National League here in a little bit, but uh, what do you think going forward for the for the American League? Yeah, you know, uh, New York played Houston uh, seven times in the regular season, and they only won two of those seven games. So, you know. Houston seems to have their number mm -hmm. and now Houston has a little bit of rest on their side too. Right. You know, New York had to battle through this series, took, took the whole, whole five games to get it done where Houston got to, got to sit home and, and rest a little bit, get their staff back, back in order. You know, they're going to have their one going to the mound probably tomorrow night against what I would guess would be probably New York's two or three. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get, getting your starting rotation out of order really, really hurts come playoff time. Rest is a huge advantage here. Yeah. Houston in almost every statistical category is just they're be they've been dominant all mm -hmm. year all year long. I think Houston wins this series pretty easily. I, maybe, maybe New York gets one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be much more. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you you hit the nail on the head there, Matt. I think it's it it would be different if if the Yankees you know had to go to their number two or three pitcher and then they had you know if they could just get like you know four or five decent innings out of that guy and then you know go to their bullpen, but. Their bullpen has been somewhat shaky, you know, mm -hmm. kind of kind of the second half of the season. So I, I think that would be, you know, would be tough. So they're expecting their starter to go in there and pitch, you know, six, seven innings, get them, you know, somewhat deep and have to rely a little bit less. But that's going to be going to be tough with the with the short rest and, you know, the the travel and things like that, that they that they're planning here. But, you know, and like you said, Houston made quick work or, you know, swept, swept the, the Mariners in their previous ser series. And yeah. I well, think they did have to, they did have to battle to right, win that series. Right. though. there were well, a couple games they were behind mm -hmm. and they, they came back, which I think just speaks to the level of, of talent or, you know, the, the ability that that Houston Astros, I mean, I, I think that they can beat you in multiple ways. Right. They, mm -hmm. they, they, you know, you yeah. think you got a lead? Well, it, you know, no lead is too comfortable for them or, you know, whether they can just, runs and bunches, or they yep. can just, you know, at the beginning, they can put you out, you know, real quick at the same at the same time, and they they got you know heck of a starting pitching staff down there too. Um, yeah, this 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 Astros team, you know, hats off to the Mariners. They made you know made their first playoff appearance in 21 years, but you know, um, to me, that game one was their opportunity to to really make mm -hmm. a difference or you know try to make some noise in this series, one, yeah. put a little pressure on. Yeah, and they 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 blew it. I mean, it, the Astros you know slowly chipped away at it, and then bottom of the ninth inning they give up a run a home run and you know game over right. i think that for me would be you know the demoralizing you know standard you know demoralizing factor in in that one that you know you had a lead i think it was eight to one at one point and the astros battled all the way back yeah. and and you know it, it just just lost it so it's uh yeah tough one for seattle but you know like like dad said the the guardians you know i i can't be too upset i mean most of the most of the analysts projected them to finish towards the bottom of their own division towards the bottom of the American league. They won the division, you know, won a playoff series and, you know, took the Yankees on the, on the brink here. And, you know, I think that was, that was the difference. This, this guardians team is not a big, you know, home run hitting team. They're not mm -hmm. going to, you know, knock it out of the park. They got to, you know, piece hits together and they were able to do that. They just couldn't, couldn't do it when, when guys were, you know, able to score and, and, and get, you know, runners across home plate. So I think that was the difference, you know, the Yankees, 
know, obviously they, they have the, the big home run ball. They got, you know, guys one through nine that can, you know, really put it, put it out of the, out of the park. And that was, that was the difference. Uh, you know, the guardians just weren't able to limit those, those big home run balls. Um, and, and, you know, that the Yankees are moving on, but they're going to have their hands full with, with this Astros team. Like, Absolutely. like Matt said, they not only this year, but in probably the last two or three years, the Astros have had the Yankees number. I mean, I don't know what it is. They, they just, they know how to beat them. They, the Yankees have a terrible record against the Astros and we'll see how it, how it goes. But yeah, all, all things are pointing towards the Astros, you know, making quick work of, of this series. Um, and I, I like the Astros to advance and, you know, play in a, in another world series here. And they've been, you know, since we started doing our predictions, maybe, you know, a little over after the all-star break, Houston's been, I don't Solid. think I've wavered. I, right. I, you know, picked them to be, you know, your world series, at least playing out of the American league. And now I think with, you know, with the Braves out of it, with the Dodgers out of it, not that those other two teams in the national league, the Phillies and the, and the Padres aren't deserving to be there, but I think that just paves the way uh, that much more for, for Houston coming in. I, I think, I think they get through this series against a, a depleted, you know, pitching staff for the, for the Yankees. And, um, you know, I, I'm like Matt, New York maybe gets one, but um, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't look for this to go the distance. <clears throat> yeah. It's tough. You know, the Yankees having to pitch, you know, their ace and Garrett Cole twice already in that, right. in that guardian series. Um, you know, that, that means, you know, he's maybe, maybe game two, game three, three you know yeah. whatever that he yeah he, by the time he pitches you might already be down two games right so. right yeah it's if the you know the benefit that the yankees do have at least this one is a, a best of seven so you right. have you know a little bit of a, a cushion Wiggle there room. or whatever but you know i still i think you, you definitely don't want to you know be down early you know to the astros you want to try to because obviously they're going to play the first two games at, at Houston. You want to try to split if you can by any means, because yeah, this Astros team, you know, gets you down. And before you know it, you know, you're, you're, you're down. down you're, yeah, you're, you know, I think if you're the Yankees, don't panic if you get down two games, because now the rotation flips in your favor. You got your ones mm -hmm. going against their three or four. Right, right. So, you know, don't, don't let that dictate mm -hmm. what you're going to do with your pitching staff. Don't bring somebody back on short rest too early. Mm -hmm. You know, it, like you said, it's a long series. It's a seven game series. Right, so, right. you know, it, I think they're smart. They, they, they let Cole rest a little bit, get him get him on full rest and get him out there to be at his best. Yeah. And I mean, a couple of these starting guys that, you know, that, you know, we, we talked about the series going into it, you know, we weren't really sure behind Cole who was really going to step up for mm -hmm. the Yankees, but you know, a couple of their starting pitchers really did, you know, came in and pitched, you know, heck of a game. It was, their bullpen at times that just was, you know, kind of up and down. So I think the Yankees should feel pretty confident of, of throwing out, you know, their third or fourth best pitcher out there in this, in this series and feel pretty good. It's, it's, you know, which, which bullpen is going to show up or, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the bullpen that's kind of shut down the guardians here the last couple, couple of games or the ones that, you know, kind of let the guardians claw their way back into it and, and, and win the game. So I think that's going to be the major key for the Yankees is, trying to keep that bullpen, you know, in intact. So, um, should be, it should be a fun series. Mm -hmm. Um, well, let's flip over to the national league. We talked, we hit on a little bit, uh, Phillies versus the Padres. Um, you know, the Phillies took out the Braves, um, in their wins that, you know, scored eight runs, you know, average eight runs in the, in their wins over, over the Braves, the Padres, you know, they, you, you saw what they did, you know, they, they lost the opener, but then won three straight. Um, they they're putting their ace and you Darvish on the mound in, in game one. Um, and the, you know those 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 three wins, they were able to do it with good pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I, this is going to be a fun one to watch because I don't think anybody would have predicted these two teams mm -hmm. facing off in the National League Championship Series. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, it's a lot of lot of back and forth there between um, you know California and and. Pennsylvania so East Coast, West Coast. yeah a lot of travel in there you know to, that you got to deal with keeping guys keeping guys focused and you know on the road so I don't know I I guess I I like the Phillies in this series going forward just just I just have that feel I don't know that you can't really pick against the Padres so either mm -hmm. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup yeah, yeah these teams are both both really hot and you know Phillies took the regular season series four games to three. So, I mean, that's really a toss-up mm -hmm. either way there. But of the seven games they played, the 
four game four games were won by shutouts mm. and three of those four games that were won by shutouts were came from the Padres the Padres beat the Phillies in their three wins all by shutout mm. so you know I, I I do think the Padres have a slightly better pitching staff mm-hmm. and when it comes to playoff time it's all about what you got in the pitching and what right. you got on the mound I, I think the Padres have enough to get it done here I, I think they're going to take on Houston in the World Series all right, all right. yeah no it's, it's interesting in this one you know like you said with with all the the, the different stats or you know three three and four I mean somewhat of a of a dead even there in the regular season but the interesting thing here is the Phillies you know uh, three of their four wins were actually on the road in San Diego. So obviously they'll start, you know, start in San Diego. The first couple games will be in San Diego. And, uh, you know, that, that's been the key for, for the Phillies in this, you know, in their that couple of series wins. Yeah, they have not, you know, have not struggled. They've actually, it seems like, played better on the road. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, these two teams by far exceeded expectations mm-hmm. coming into the playoffs. I mean, it, it, the Cardinal or the, the Phillies took care of the Cardinals, uh, took care of the Braves. On the flip side, the Padres took care of the Mets, another a, a hundred win team. Then the next round, they come into the Dodgers, who had their number. I mean, mm. won every series in the regular season, and you know, uh, won 111 games. No problem for the Padres. They took care of them, uh, three games to three games to one in that. And I mean, it, it is tough to predict this one. I mean, you look at the stats in the playoffs in the regular season. They're almost dead even in yeah. almost every category. It, it's a, it's a toss up, but I, I think at this time you got to say who's the who's the hot hotter team or who has kind of that emotion behind them. And I, I really think the Phillies are playing with kind of that that fire, that mm-hmm. that um, you know real real bravado, if if you will. Um, and they they've got timely hitting. Their their star Bryce Harper is is you know coming alive here in the in the playoffs, and I think. That's gonna be that's gonna be the difference maker in this one. I, I like the Phillies, but I could very easily see this game, this series going going Game Seven in this yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think we're all agreed, Houston's uh, going to be playing in a World Series. Yeah. And I, I like I'm I'm with Colton. I, I like the Phillies going forward, but uh, Matt, you're kind of leaning towards the Padres. Then yeah. yeah, I mean, one I think the Padres preseason expectations they were predicted to, to be be in this spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were one of those teams that people were talking about as a World Series contender. So. You know, I, I think they didn't live up to it during the regular season, mm-hmm. but it, that team's finally They're coming, coming alive here. Yeah, just, yeah, I think they've got too much talent. All right, should be fun. Should yeah. be fun. Um, before we go get into our next topic, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be right back with us. S- stick around. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we got uh, UFC 280 coming up this weekend. Like Colton said, in Abu Dhabi, um, two tight is it two title fights? Yes, yep. uh, the lightweight and a bantamweight yep. uh, title fight. First one, Charles Oliveira against Islam Makachev. Makachev, yep. Yeah, Makachev. Um, you know, I I don't know. I did some. There wasn't a lot of info. I think it's because it's early in the week, but um, they're both on uh, pretty impressive win streaks. Char uh, Oliveri at eleven fight win streak, uh, and again going up a you know another guy that's ten, he's got a ten fight win streak. So this uh, Oliveri's promise that this is going to be over in the first round. So mm. pretty big talk, I think, or pretty pretty confident talk. But you know when you're when you're going in there in this kind of sport, if you don't have confidence, you don't you don't have anything. You don't so, have a chance. So I don't knock the guy for that. Um, you know, we'll see what what this means for these two fighters going forward. But uh, I don't know. I, I I like I like the fact I like that confidence. I'm going with Oliveri in, in, in the upset. Here. You know, I find it really hard to believe that this fight will be over in the first round, just simply because neither of these guys are knockout mm-hmm. guys. So it's not right. going to be a quick punch nope. that ends this thing. These are both submission fighters, yep. and that that usually takes some time. You got to yeah. work your game and get it to the ground, just strike and, at the right moment. Yeah, type I, deal. So I, I don't see it being a, a, yeah. a one round fight. Mm-hmm. I, I, these guys really stack up pretty evenly. They're, they're both having great careers for themselves right now. 
I, I think I'm leaning also like Rob towards uh, Oliveira. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be gonna be a good one. This this main card from top to bottom, I think is is you know could turn out to be a really a really good one, or you know maybe one of the the greatest UFCs we've seen you know this this year and maybe you know in the last you know couple of years here. But uh, you know Islam, you know Makachev comes into this one at, at an overall record at twenty two and one, mm-hmm. uh, going up against uh, Charles Oliveira, and uh, he's thirty three and eight in this one. So yeah, a lot of guys, you know, and Oliveira has dominated this this division. Uh, top to bottom um he holds the ufc record for the number of finishes um in in you know in the ufc like dad said comes into it riding a 11 fight win streak uh you know so makachev gonna have his gonna have his hands full in, mm-hmm. in this one but i think it's it's really kind of put up or shut up time for for makachev um you know this is going to be his first time fighting for the belt um but uh you know so we'll see is he is he really for real i mean he's made an impressive way you know made his impressive way from you know the bottom of the rankings all the way to where he is now but now it's you know this this is to be the best you got to beat the best and and you know Oliveira is is one of the one of the guys in that lightweight division that you know doesn't mess around so you got to be on the top of your game or you know before you know it you're you're on the ground and you're you know tapping so uh it, it would be you know if Makachev is able to pull off somewhat of the upset here um you know I, I think it would be ushering in maybe a, a new era of you know the light you know the lightweight division i mean Oliveira is no no spring chicken i mean he's he's an older older guy there in that in that division makachev a few years younger a few years younger so it could be you know kind of a changing of the guard if if you will but uh you know i i think it will be will be interesting but you know i think Oliveira um has has shown that He's he's a guy that you know has the endurance can can hold up hold up in the in the ring but I like uh, you know I like Oliveira to to take this one. All right, we're so. in agreement on that one. Next one's a title fight in the bantamweight, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you got Alamein, uh Sterling going up against T.J. Dillashaw. Dillashaw seems like he's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy that we've talked about before in UFC. So he is thirty six years old. Um, coming in with a record of 18 and four and trying to win this title for the third time mm. in the same weight class, which would be a first in UFC uh, coming in, you know, Sterling is, is he's been in the league of white, you know, he's 33 years old and he's, uh, you know, sporting a seven fight win streak right now. So I, I kind of like the younger guy. I, I like Sterling coming in here to, uh, to get the win. I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think Dillashaw's got it in for a third championship in the bantamweight division. Yeah, I think uh, you know this one. Um, you know, Dillashaw's coming in. He's he's been kind of in and out of the UFC. You know, based on some some injuries that he had, and then also some by his own doing. You know, failing a, a drug test and then being uh, you know suspended from the UFC for I think a full a full year uh, from the UFC. So he's been kind of in and out of in and out of the the, the ranks here or whatever. Um, but does still have a pretty impressive record. But, you know, I think uh, Aljamain Sterling, uh, he's, he, like Dad said, coming in seven-fight win streak and, and you know, boasting just a lot of confidence after, you know, his last fight of defending his his belt against, uh, you know, Peter Yan, who also will be fighting on this on this card as well. I think that just, you know, spells a lot of confidence for him. There was a little bit of controversy in, in the first, you know, title fight between him and Peter Yan, the, you know, how he won and things like that. But he really, you know, kind of solidified it there in the in the second matchup uh, i i think aljamain defends it defends it again you know uh puts puts the puts the old guy out of his out of his misery if you will so yeah you know i don't know i think dillashaw has a fighter's chance here looking at both these guys record uh sterling's 21 and 3 and to get those 21 wins he's got two knockouts eight submissions the rest have just been by decision mm-hmm. so you know that means he's going rounds where you got dillashaw he's 17 and 4 Eight of those 17 wins have come by knockout. Mm. He's got three submissions, so he, he's not going to a lot of decisions. He's he's taking care taking of it himself. Care of yeah. You know, so I think he's got a puncher's chance here to, to really pull an upset and, and win that title. Yeah, okay. yeah, Very absolutely. Good. All right. Um, anything else on that? Too? Yeah, like I said, just the, the main card is just going to be going to be pretty pretty be impressive. I mean, if you look at the other three fights that are on that on that main card, I mean, any one of you know you could see almost you could probably make a case for every lower seated, you know, guy, or, you know, even there's even a, a, mm-hmm. a women's fight in it as well. Make a, make a case for those lower seeds to, you know, pull off the upset because they, you know, looking at it on paper, they, they have, you know, a better record or, you know, equally as, as good a record as their higher, you know, higher ranked opponent. So, 
I think it, it, it could be, you know, it could be interesting. We could see a lot of, a lot of chaos and a lot of, you know, mix up in after, mm-hmm. you know, after Saturday's uh, fights. <clears throat> All right. Very good. Well, let's uh, back to college football. Um, Matt had a good weekend. <laughs> yes, you know, we did six games and Matt went five and one. Congratulations to him. Yeah. Uh, I didn't fare near as well. <laughs> yeah. I went two and four. Um, first game out I got on my slate was North Carolina state uh, playing Syracuse. Um, Colton and I both took the Orangemen. Matt took North Carolina State. And, the other way around. Or, I mean, yep. the other way around. Yep. Colton and I both took North Carolina State. Matt took the Orangemen, and, you know, he got the win. I, I mean, I was surprised, really. Um, Oregon turned the ball over twice. Um, you know, they, but, you know, they just don't, they kept the North, North Carolina State out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. It was the big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, held them to three field goals. And I think part of what, you know, North Carolina State, uh, Jack Chambers getting his first start at QB, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a fifth-year transfer. So um, I think that was the difference in this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was was the difference in this one. I mean, North Carolina State just wasn't able to do anything on that on that side of the ball. I mean, their defense held up as long as they could, or you know, mm-hmm. as long as they possibly could. But yeah, it was the difference. The offense just couldn't couldn't move the ball, couldn't do anything. I mean. You know, I talked about it that in order to really kind of take the pressure off of off of Jack Chambers, they were going to have to try to get the running game going, and they were only got a total of 95 rushing yards mm-hmm. um, on on almost 40 attempts. So, you know, hats off to to Syracuse at you know kind of making Sarah, uh, North Carolina State one dimensional in that sense, and you know it, it played into their favor, and you know they're continuing on to be you know undefeated and you know move on to the next week yeah i think with that stagnant north carolina state offense it, it's the rest of the season's looking kind of uh, yeah, dim not for looking them. good yeah. well yeah and not i saw something you know their starting qb devin devin leary officially ruled out for the rest of the mm-hmm. year uh with it with a torn peck so well, at least you got a decision made you yeah know, I, mean, I guess it's, it's easy the, you know the no, only good, no the only upside to it i guess right, right right but yeah that does not spell well for for north carolina state i mean it it, it showed unless they make some drastic improvements or, you know, this backup quarterback can make some improvements. I well, and that offense was getting stagnant mm-hmm. even before that injury. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. just gotten worse. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next game, another one I missed, which I was okay missing this one, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I'll take, I'll take the loss, but uh, that was Alabama getting beat by Tennessee 49 to 52. What a wild game. I, you know, but it was hard for me to watch. There was no defense being played. <laughs> right? It yeah. was just, I don't know, run up and, but you know, it, this this panel here has been touting this guy all season. That's Hendon Hooker. You know, had a great game, five TDs. I mean, mm. the dude, he's a, he's a solid candidate for for uh, the Heisman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and did it against a, another quality opponent. Yeah. I think that was the difference. That's right? the key. Yeah, doing it against a, a top, up big numbers top against five a, team. You know, yeah, a, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Give me your thoughts on that game, real quick, fellas. Yeah, you know, as much as Tennessee did to win this game, Alabama did just as much to lose this mm. game. They had mm. 17 penalties for 130 yards. Plus, they had a huge special teams turnover on a punt where, you know, the ball bounced and, you know, all they had to do was not touch it. It'd be down and it would have been their ball. And all mm-hmm. inexplicably, the Alabama guy comes up, tries to, to grab it. it. I don't know and what he yeah, Actually, you know, it's turnover. Right. I mean, that, those are just huge mistakes that cost them. And, and they're not typical Bama mistakes. I was going to say, you don't see a saving team making, you know, not only that, but like you said, Matt, all those penalties. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I mean, just so unusual. You've seen it in a couple of games this year where yeah. Alabama has been penalized. I mean, significantly, mm-hmm. you know, not what we're used to seeing. Um, you know, so I don't think it's something that we should be totally shocked by because mm-hmm. it, it has happened. Mm-hmm. They've just found a way to somewhat overcome yeah. it. And this game, they just they weren't. They didn't. Yeah. They they. Well, and after the game, Saban called his team out. He pretty much, he told them they were soft. They weren't playing like a championship team. And so I, I'll be interested to see what the weeks to come. Right. Have yeah. For Dro- dropped from the number six in the ranking. So you know they still right. still, still control right their own destiny still, still, somewhat in that in there. But uh, you know I think I think at the same time Alabama has to feel uh, you know somewhat confident that you know Bryce Young has been out the last two weeks. He looked good. He actually came in and played, you know, yeah. phenomenal for through for yeah. almost 500 yards. I mean, was doing somewhat, you know, some of it uh, on his own. He just, you know, if he could play defense, he probably would have tried. But, you know, I, I think that defense, yeah, just gave up a lot of big plays that, once again, we're not used to seeing, you know, a Saban coach team giving up those big deep bombs that they did against right. Tennessee. Yeah. And it was, you know, one play, two plays or whatever, you know, Alabama. Yeah, it was like. 1150 yards all I mean, yeah it was just a crazy yeah game. an up and up and down match but wow. you know hats off to tennessee i mean this this team looks looks good i mean I obviously i think they're gonna have to clean i mean t- 
to be a contender, you're going to have to clean that D. I, I don't know how you win a national championship with a team that gives up 50 points week in and week out. Right. I, just, I just don't see how you how you hold up to that or, you know, are able to do that, you know, all the time. But, you know, last week, you know, hats off. Tennessee, you know, they're good, good for them. We'll see, you know, how the rest of the season plays out for them. They got, you know, a few – a few more tough games on their on their slate, but uh, you know they they get a big win against against Alabama and you know prove that they you know are are for real in this and you know not only in the SEC but you know in the possible you know college football playoff yeah, race. Sure. And I, I got to thank the both of you for me picking this one right because I was <laughs> trying to make this a conditional pick on Bryce Young playing. I thought if he played, Alabama would win, but you know I I really wasn't sure he was going to play, mm-hmm. so that's I, I leaned towards Tennessee since you made me commit. And, mm-hmm. It he worked looked, out for me. Like he played. Said, he played he well. Looked good, but yeah. yeah, it just wasn't enough. All right. Um. Okay. Third one. This one. I one of the two. I got right. Oklahoma State. Um. Lost to TCU. I think all three of us picked this one. That, but it did go to double overtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, TCU had 510 yards of offense. You know, another high scoring game. I, TCU. Those guys in purple are playing good ball, mm-hmm. man. I. You can't. You can't bet against them right now. Right. Yeah. No. I think uh, it, this one was an impressive. I mean, TCU came in. They at one point in the fourth quarter, they were down by down by two touchdowns at one point, you know, clawed their way back, you know, found a way to, you know, the the defense may have given up a lot of points, a lot of yards, but when they needed stops, they they got them and they, you know, were able to, to, you know, turn, convert them into touchdowns and things like that. So, you know, I think TCU had somewhat revenge on their mind. Oklahoma state beat this same, somewhat same TCU team last year, Mm -hmm. 63 to 17. So, you know, a, a, a heck of a turnaround for this TCU team. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're they're making noise in that Big 12. I mean, a lot of a lot of people predicted them to be kind of middle of the pack in the Big 12. They're they're right leading it right the now. They're they're right there at the top. So, you know, hats off to them. We'll see if they can keep it keep it going. Right. And like you guys both said, there wasn't a lot of D in this play, but T, TCU's D held strong when they had to. In that second overtime, they forced a field goal, then they were able to get the winning touchdown to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, another game I missed. Um that seems to be a common common theme here. <laughs> yeah. USC lost to Utah um, on the road. You what know, a wild what, game! What? Yeah, wild. Another one. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, what? One point. They they had an, USC had an early lead, twenty one seven. You know, early in the second quarter. Um, you know, wound up losing this game by a point. And what? I, I guess to me, it all boiled down to uh, you know Kyle Whittingham having to faith in his quarterback mm-hmm. 48 seconds to go goes for two to win it i mean yeah. they could have went to overtime you yeah. know he puts it puts it in his quarterback's hand um you know the guy cam bad moon rising <laughs> you know guy had a great game went 30 for 44 415 yards two tds rushed for three tds got that big two-point conversion 11 rushes for 60 yards the dude is a stud. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he looked really good. I think to me that that was the difference in this game. Yeah, I think they knew they had to go for two here because, you know, e- either team, it, it, this, this game would have gone forever because n- neither team could stop each other. I mean, this was just back and forth all game long. Right. You know, they, they couldn't stop USC. USC couldn't stop Utah. I, I was really impressed, like you said, with Cam Rising, but also his tight end, Dalton Kincaid, had 15 catches for 217 nice. yards. Yeah, one nice. heck of a day for the big man. Right, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I think, yeah, Dad nailed it there. I mean, when when they needed Cam Rising, you know, they, they needed him in this game, and he delivered at time in and time out, you know, on on this one. I mean, you can't say enough. Well, I think he had that rushing TD mm-hmm. right before the two-point conversion. Yep. I think he ran it in, and then uh, – you know, then he runs in that two-point conversion yeah. for the win. Wow, what a gamble! I, I'm not sure, not sure I'd had the guts to call that. Right, um, but, but uh, hats off to winning game, especially with them still being. I mean, they're in the race for the conference championship. Mm-hmm, yeah. So you know, you, you miss it there, and you're, you're pretty much your season's you're over. Sunk. You're done. So right. That yeah. Took that, a lot of guts. Takes a takes a knock to, to USC's playoff hopes and the play the Pac-12's playoff hopes. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. at this point. You know. Once again, the, the Pac-12, you know, are they on the outside looking in again to, to make the playoff? You know, they, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, USC takes a takes a big hit there with their playoff chances. Another game I missed, uh, Mississippi State versus Kentucky. I think this was a game that all three of us missed. Yep. Um, Mississippi State held to 22 yards rushing. How, yeah. how bad is that? Yeah. Um, you know, Will Levis didn't have a great day. Mm-hmm. Didn't make a lot of mistakes, but – I think the big the big news for me, or the you know the 
the guy that shouldered the load was their was their running back Chris Rodriguez, thirty mm. carries for one hundred ninety six yards. Um, you know, grinding it out, and uh, that defense holding Mississippi State down. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was surprised, but Kentucky Kentucky's got a good ball team mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the the difference for me was Kentucky's defense. I mean, they held. Mississippi State only 17 total points. I mean, Mississippi State came into this one averaging nearly 40 points a game, um, you know, mm-hmm. to hold them to half of their season total. I mean, that that's that's a hats off to, you know, whatever they whatever scheme they came up with there in, in Kentucky, it, it worked. Uh, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, both of these teams shot themselves in the foot. I was looking at the stats. Both teams combined for 24 penalties hmm. for almost 200 yards. Wow. So, I mean, it, it could have been maybe more lopsided right. than what it was, or, you know, vice versa. Mississippi State may have been able to keep this one a little bit closer, or, you know, get over the top to actually win the game with with that many, you know, number of penalties. But, uh, yeah, I think I, you, you can't throw the ball 60 times a game or, you know, whatever if you're Mississippi State and expect it to win. you got to have somewhat of a balance. And, and like you said, with only 22 you know, it, to me, it's not just that the low number of, of rushing yards, but they only rushed it 10 times. Yeah. You're not going to keep a defense honest by only going, you know, running it 10 times. I mean, they're, they're you know, going to key in on, on what you're trying to do. And that, that was the difference, you know, in, in this one. But, you know, there just wasn't a lot of balance for that Mississippi State offense. Right. And I guess really the, the result here shouldn't have been as much a surprise as the three of us made it out to be because Kentucky's D has played great all season long. Mm-hmm. You know, so they showed out again. They played really well. You said hold, hold Mississippi State to 225 total yards of offense in this day and age of college football. That That's pretty impressive. crazy yeah. task. Yeah, especially, yeah. I mean, with the air raid offense that Mississippi yeah. State touts down there, you know, in the south. So, All right. Well, the last game of the day, one, one I had to get right, <laughs> the only one that mattered to me this weekend, and that was Michigan beating uh, Penn State. You know, it was it was forty one seventeen, and really a game that I didn't even feel was that close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple of fluke plays, but you know, Michigan puts up five hundred and sixty three yards of offense, controls the ball for forty two minutes, four hundred and eighteen yards of rushing. The only the only downside I could see to this game was Michigan did have nine penalties mm. for sixty one yards, and they've been up to that game had been one of the least penalized teams in the league, which I always like to see that discipline from, from a team. But, uh, you know, this, this, to me, this was just a total domination that the pick six that, uh, was kind of a fluke. It got tipped and then hit a player's helmet and then landed right in the defender's hand. And, you know, he runs it in for a touchdown, you know, if not for that, uh, you know, th- this game's not even, not even a 24 point game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think you can just look at this one and just say, you know, the, the Michigan's dynamic duo back there in the backfield and, and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were, were the difference maker in there. I mean, Corum 28 carries for 166 yards and two rushing touchdowns. His partner there, Donovan Edwards, another 16 carries for 173 yards and two more, you know, rushing touchdowns. I mean, you know, like Dad said, almost 420 yards total in, in rushing. And and this was a Penn State team that came into this game only giving up less than 80 yards mm-hmm. per rushing. I mean, they gave up, you know, five times that in this game. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's an impressive win for for Michigan that they can add to their resume. Um, and, you know. I don't but, know. Is, was Michigan that good or is Penn, was yeah, Penn State overrated? I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, Penn State's still obviously not their toughest game still left on the stretch. We'll see what, yeah. they, what they do, you know, how they respond or. You know what? Not over the next couple of couple of weeks here. Yeah, as great as this was for Michigan, is is this the beginning of the end for Penn State? You know, they they had this tough loss here, and now it doesn't get much easier for them. Then they got to travel to Minnesota, and then they play the Buckeyes. So you yeah. know, it's it, they got yeah. a tough stretch here. If they lose three in a row, there's going to be a lot of shouts for uh, the head coach to maybe yeah. be hitting the road here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, and I thought. One thing I did see that I liked, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy didn't have, again, didn't what you know, it wasn't a great game, but you kind of got to see that, that uh, what that extra option adds with his legs. You know, he's able to pick up a couple key first downs mm-hmm. with his legs, not big runs, but timely runs, I guess. So, you know, I think going forward, hopefully that uh, helps, helps us maybe win some close games going forward. All right. Well, on to this week. Uh, back down to our normal five games this week. Um, the first one I got is you know the Orangemen coming back in, uh, ranked 14th now. They're six and zero coming in against Clemson, number five at seven and zero. 
uh, Vegas, I was surprised. They, they got Clemson at 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse's defense only giving up 13 points a game. Um, I don't know. I guess to me, though, that Will Shipley running for almost six yards to carry. You got DJ back there, quarterback, and 17 TDs, two picks. Um, I, I like I like the Tigers in this one. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I think if, if the difference in this one, if Syracuse wants to have a chance, they're going to have to exploit that that Clemson kind of leaky leaky secondary. The, the problem is, is it's tough to do with with the defensive front that Clemson has. I mean, mm-hmm. they are a sack machine or you know a QB pressure and, machine. and only giving up eighty three yards of rushing. Right, know, not only getting after the quarterback you know, but also doing a good job of defending the run. Yeah. I mean, they, they do give up almost 260 yards through, through the air. So you, you have to, if, if that's, you know, one chink in the, in the armor for, for Clemson, that that's it, but it, it's going to be tough to do for, for Syracuse if they can't, you know, get good pass protection and, you know, block against that, that Clemson Tigers team. I, I, I think this one would be closer than what that 13 and a half point spread. It seems like Clemson somewhat, and I'm not saying Syracuse is, is a bad team, but they seem to somewhat, keep it closer than what they do or you know or they just they they play down to their competition i guess so i think that that almost two touchdown spread maybe a little bit too much but i think in the end clemson gets it done yeah i agree with both of you 100 percent. like syracuse has played great ball so to this point in this season but they haven't faced an offense like clemson Mm -hmm. at all so this is going to be their first real test i think i do think they keep it closer in 13 and a half i think clemson is just too much okay all right next i got ucla coming in at rank number ninth and six ranked number nine at six and zero, oh, going against an Oregon State team that's ranked tenth, five and one. Uh, um, and Vegas has Oregon State uh, by six points, which I was I was really surprised. Uh, if you look at both sides of the ball, the stats for these teams are Ridiculous. almost identical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, but I think to me, here's the difference for me: um, UCLA's beat Utah and Washington, uh, two you know two solid teams. The, the transfer from Michigan, Zach Charbonnet's averaging over seven yards a carry. Mm. They're able to control the tempo, I think, a little bit with that running game. So I'm going to give the edge to the unbeaten Bruins. They go 7-0. and Yeah, Matt, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, so or, like I said, Oregon comes into this game as a six-point favorite, and both these teams have been rolling on offense all season long, uh, averaging 42 points a game, over 500 yards, mm-hmm. you know. UCLA does have a bit better defense. They give up six less points per game. But I, I think in this game, it's going to come down to home field advantage, playing a big role here. I think the crowd's going to be ruckus and wild. And I, I think that's going to be enough to spur Oregon to, to a big win for, for the program there. Ducks over to the Bears. Yeah. Now, Oregon's definitely, you know, made a turnaround. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's really Oregon or just the competition that they've played, mm-hmm. but they've definitely made a, a, a 360 from what we saw week one when they got absolutely manhandled by, by Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but – you know, I think I think in this one, you know, UCLA has, has got you know quite a bit of a a balanced uh, you know balanced attack on that offensive side of the ball. They they you know can rely on that on that running game. Well, you know, Dorian, uh, <clears throat> the quarterback there for UCLA is is you know putting his name in the hat there for a potential Heisman you know candidate. Um, I think he needs to have a big game in this one to to show you know kind of elevate himself or continue to elevate himself um, in that in that race. You think I think at the end of the day, you know, Oregon's defense, their passing attacks giving up almost 300 yards through the air, a little bit better on the on the rushing side of things. But like I said, I think that balance that UCLA has, I think, will be the be the difference maker in this one. Uh, But I think it's going to be a a high scoring game, but a super tight game. I I could see it being similar to the to the USC Utah game we had, you know, just last week uh, come down to maybe one one possession or, you know, the last last few seconds. But I like UCLA to get it done. All right. You know, they're their last. Probably the last chance if they're going to sneak somebody into the into the playoffs is for UCLA to stay unbeaten. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, next one I got number twenty Texas coming in at five and two, going to Oklahoma State at five and one. Uh, Oklahoma State's favored by six. Um, you know I'm a little surprised Texas is twenty. I know they've they've had some big wins here at the, or their big win in their big rivalry game, but they haven't beaten or even played a ranked team yet. Other than uh, Alabama, Alabama. Got, well, yeah. Other lost. than Alabama, who they got destroyed by. That was nice. No, it was close. It was, it was close game. Oh, that, that's yeah. right. The first game of the season. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I was. I flipped my notes. So, uh, yeah. So, but Oklahoma State, you know, their only loss was to a you know a very solid TCU team that we mm-hmm. just talked about mm-hmm. in double overtime. Um, I like them playing at home. I think uh, Mike Gundy's Cowboys get the win. All right. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree here. I'm, I'm going with Oklahoma State. You know, Texas has been rolling lately, but the best D they faced this year, like I said, was Alabama, and they only put up 19 points in that game. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State boasts a pretty good defense themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to be able to hold Texas down and, and do enough to pull out a victory here. Yeah, well, that's where I say not so fast to both <laughs> of you here. I, I, I like Texas to get it get it done here. Um, you know, Quinn, Quinn Ewers, you know, since coming back uh, from his injuries, playing – pretty impressive ball. And I think at the same time, they don't have to entirely rely on just, just his arm or, you know, him to make plays. They got, you know, a stud running back in, in Bijan Robinson, who's averaging almost six yards a carry and has uh, 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, the Texas defense is, is playing, playing well. Um, but you know, Oklahoma state's defense, man, they, they're, they're, they're shaky. Um, they've given up, uh, they're giving up almost 440 yards per game. And 300 of that through the through the air. Um, so, I think uh, you know Oklahoma State's defense kind of have to figure it out. I mean, they they uh, you know got exposed last week against TCU. If Texas can can find that balance and you know hit them from from multiple sides, I like Texas to get to get a win on the on the road. Oh, wow. Also, another thing to to look at in this one is is the health of of starting QB. You know, Spencer Saunders for for uh, Oklahoma State. You know, came into the TCU game a little bit banged up. We'll see. If he can, uh, you know, if he if he's doing okay, or it, it was an injury to kind of his uh, his throwing shoulder, his right throwing shoulder. So we'll see if that continues to bother him in this in this one. But I, I like Texas to get the get the win on the road and and uh, wow. you know can continue to move up the move up the rankings. All right, very good, a bold pick, I think. Uh, Mississippi State next game, right? They dropped the twenty fourth in the ranking, coming in at five and two against Alabama, six and one. Um, Vegas has got this at 21 points. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want to be Mississippi State this weekend. <laughs> Agreed. Um, you know, Bama has not played like an Alabama team that we've seen in the past. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, Bryce Bryce Young, looked, he did look good. We talked about that. Mississippi State's given up 375 yards of offense, and they haven't seen an offense like they're about to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Alabama in this one big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I like Alabama, Alabama in this one. Um, you know, they, they've won five straight in this in this series going back to 2017. Um, I mean, no, it's a small sample size um, since Mike Leach has been at Mississippi State. They've only scored a total of nine points in, in a couple of games against Alabama. Mm. I mean, I think in, in order to stay competitive, they're going to have to somewhat keep up or keep that offense rolling. Mm. I just don't know that they're. They're going to be able to do it. I think Alabama, you know, they got exposed last week against Tennessee. I don't know that Mississippi State has those same kind of playmakers mm-hmm. that Tennessee has. Mm-hmm. I like Alabama to win. I don't know. Three touchdowns is, is quite a bit, that's but this this is a, you know, an Alabama team that's that's coming in, you know, mad and upset, whatever. But I think I think Alabama will win the game. I don't know that it will be by by three touchdowns. Yep. I'm with, I'm with both of you here. I'm, I'm going to Alabama. Like I said, Nick Saban called the team out literally after last week's game and told them they were soft. They weren't playing like a championship team. I look for a team to be super laser focused this week coming mm-hmm. in to prove something. I, I think they win. They win big. I'm not sure 21 and a half points big, mm-hmm. but I, I could see somewhere for the 14 to 20 point range. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I didn't look it up, but it's like, when was the last time Saban lost like two games in a row well, since he's been at Alabama? Never, probably, so, yeah, probably never. never. Right. So I, I, that doesn't spell, you know, history is definitely not on Mississippi state side, but right. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Our last game of the night, uh, Kansas state going, uh, to TCU, TCU to play the Horn Frogs. Uh, see, seems like TCU's been on our, you know, they played a lot of ranked teams. It seems like they've been on our radar a lot mm-hmm. this year. They're coming in at six and zero, ranked eighth against, you know, Kansas State. Um, Vegas has got TCU by three and a half. Their wide receiver Quentin Johnson's having a big year. He's got five hundred yards receiving, and, the, and their quarterback Max Dugan's having a good year. Sixteen D- TDs and only one pick. They beat three ranked teams uh, coming in. Um, I like the guys in purple. I mean, uh, yeah, I like, yeah, I like the, yeah, the guys tough, in purple. Tough, guys, <laughs> eyes, the horn frogs in purple. Huh? Yeah. The, the guys in purple. I, I, I like, I like Kansas or uh, TCU. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one uh, is gonna gonna be interesting. Yeah, like you said, that TCU has been on our radar here the last several weeks, and that's because they played three straight ranked opponents mm-hmm. and, and are facing a fourth one in this in this one in Kansas Man. State. I mean, Kansas State definitely getting battle tested. Right, Kansas State they, comes in to be up there for strength of schedule. Right, gonna, absolutely. Loom, loom pretty large. For yeah, them gonna help them out. If they can, you know, get, get close, you know, get on the cusp there or whatever. I mean, they could be a dark horse there in the Big Twelve to, you know, 
wreck the playoff or, you know, whatever you want to say. But, you know, on the other side, Kansas State comes into this one. They got their own three-game winning streak, uh, beating Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and, and Iowa State. Uh, that, that Kansas State offense averaging over 400 yards of, of total offense, most of that is through the ground. They're averaging almost 250 yards on the on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would think a team that's averaging, you know, 400 yards of offense, uh, you know, over 400 yards of offense would be, you know, putting up points. But they're only averaging about 28 points a game. So, for me, that that's a little bit puzzling that, you know, they're racking up yardage, but they're not really settling converting it to – Yeah, they're not really rattling, you know, securing touchdown, you know, settling for field goals and not getting, you know, extra points there. But uh, – so I like I like TCU. I mean, on the on the flip side, they come in averaging almost 530 yards of, mm-hmm. of offense, um, and so I like I like TCU. Like I said, their their defense is not not you know top tier, not not your greatest, but they always seem to find ways to get stops in 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 crunch time or you know when they need to. So I like TCU to to get it done and you know continue their impressive streak of beating ranked opponents. Right. Yeah, like I said, TCU's offense are scoring 46 points per game compared to 29 for K-State. TCU's defense, however, does give up 27 points per game. K-State's only given up 17. Mm-hmm. I think K-State's defense is going to be able to slow TCU down a bit, mm-hmm. but not enough. Oh. TCU's offense is going to be too much. They're going to get the W. All right. All right. Well, that's what we got for you this week. Uh, we thank thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be at we'll be coming at you live again next week. All right. Yeah, like Dad said, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cow, Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, just a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We got an Instagram. Our uh, handle is firedup underscore podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up comma sports podcast. We'd love to hear from some of our some of our fans and you know get some get some input from from you guys. So feel free to reach out to us. Um, but if you want to also you know learn a little bit about the show or just you know see some of our past episodes, you know listen to some of our past episodes, you can always head over to our website at firedup1.podbean.com. And uh, you know want to hear other you know past episodes and even listen to this you know episode coming to you live tomorrow. Um, you can check us out on all the different podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere where you can listen to a podcast, you can, you can find our show. So appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, stay stay fired fired up. up.